Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Jen. Welcome to Marginalia Pod. Where we treat reading as a sacred practice and find meaning and connection through our favourite books. I would like to begin by acknowledging the Gurungai and Daruk people, traditional custodians of the land where I am recording today, and pay my respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. I'd also like to acknowledge Mana Whenua of Te Awakai where I'm recording today. Hi. Hi. How has your day? How has your week been? Incredibly busy. Works very, very full on at the moment. Um, so it's just, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. How about you? I also feel like work has been full on, and yet my job is not a real job that pays money. So I just have been doing all of the life stuff. And that is more that... frustrating because I don't even feel like I, at least I get compensation for it. <laughs> it's just work, yeah. work, work. Definitely a real job. It is a real job with terrible pay. Um, yeah, it's a lot of organizing stuff around the end of the school year, especially for my daughter who's finishing up primary school. So it has been a lot. I just mm. want to crawl into my bed and put like seven quilts over my head and take my iPad and watch like, I don't know, seven seasons of elementary without coming up for air. <laughs> like I just yeah. like hermit mode really badly. But um. Mm. That is what December is for. We're going to hermit mode in December. It's going to happen. I can feel only, it. <laughs> only like, what, six more weeks until the end of term? I can hang in there. <laughs> we can both hang in there till the break, right? <laughs> we can. We can do our best anyway. What oh. choice do we have? Exactly. <laughs> um, did anything spark joy for you this week? What sparked joy for me? Actually, today it is a beautiful day, which sparked a lot of joy because yesterday was the end of days. Like, at midday, it was like nighttime, you know, when you look outside and it's just so Black, dark and yeah. thunder and then it was like just pouring with rain and I was really grumpy walking home from work because I had like, I feel like I'm dressed like a fisherman. I'm wearing so many waterproof <laughs> layers and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why do I live in this stupid city? But then today <laughs> she was absolutely gorgeous and I'm like, why are you like this, Wellington? So anyway, that sparked a lot of joy. <laughs> You know, I was thinking about this. I think you just can't live in a city that's easy. I think you have to live somewhere that's a little difficult for you because you have to like, they, like your city has to earn it. Yeah. Anywhere too easy, you'd be like, whatever. You'd be, <laughs> you wouldn't respect it. You wouldn't love it. It's different when it's earned. Keeps me on my toes, that's for sure. Mm. <laughs> what about you? What sparked joy for you this week? Oh, uh, so this week I've had the incredible pleasure and relief of my daughter taking charge of her own homework and this is a really big deal because she has ADHD and so it feels like everything is a battle um mm. but I've just been sort of like hey if you want to do your homework while you're watching tv and then I'll check your answers over that's fine because like I also have the same thing where like I want something going on in the background um and so she's actually been like sitting down and doing her homework and this morning, or last night, she said, Mom, can you wake me up early? Because I really want to finish it before this afternoon. And I was like, okay. And so at 6.45 or whenever, when we all got out of bed, I said, hey, you wanted to do your homework? And she went, oh, that's right. And she took her folder and she sat down and she did her homework without wow. any argument or discussion. Like, it was like, oh, yeah, you reminded me and I did it. Um, and so that's just been really nice. Like, oh, I'm just like holding my breath. Like, Don't. <laughs> Don't freak out. It might not last, but it's so good. Oh, um, nice. And to celebrate that, I took myself for a really nice lunch out and had a mm. beautiful pumpkin and chicken salad and a yuzu tea. And it was just really nice. And the waitress was so, like, attentive and lovely and I think terrified of me. But I, I was trying really hard to be nice, but she just seemed really scared <laughs> that I was, like, 
going to be upset if she put me at the big table and then upset to ask me if I wanted to move to a smaller table when we could, one came I was like it's fine it's fine I have a big tip I'm I'm friendly but it was nice to have a lunch by myself so yeah a few nice things this week hmm you were like the friendliest person to white stuff why would she even be scared of you <laughs> because I live on the north shore and 40-year-old women on the North Shore are not typically very nice to wait staff. <laughs> I know, but they don't typically have blue hair either. This is true. <laughs> you would think that I would, like, exude friendliness, but um, I think here it's just anyone over, like, 30. It's like, do 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 alerts on. Mm, sad. Well, I'm very glad you sad. had a lovely lunch. That sounds delightful. Good. It was nice. Well, this week we're reading chapters 7 through 13 through the theme of commitment. So do you have a story for us for this week? Yeah, kind of. More of a pontification as per usual. Let's pontificate. I love it. I was looking at the definition of commitment and what really stood out to me is the dichotomy and the meaning of it, right? Mm. So you can either have like the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause or activity or something, you know, you're you're committed to something. Yeah. Or you can have an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. So, you know, you've got too many time commitments to do something. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting, this idea that you could be really, like, dedicated to something, but it also could really restrict what you end up doing. Because I think that has definitely been my relationship with committed. I like to think of myself as a committed person, but I really struggle with commitment, and I always kind of have. I'm really good at committing at the outset I'm good at making plans I'm good at deciding I want to do something like I'm good at signing up for things and being like I always say there's no one who is more committed than me at 10 p.m on a Friday night you know I am making plans I am Mm -hmm. going to be a new person tomorrow I'm going to do all these things it's going to be a great time I'm making all these plans with my friends Mm -hmm. and then invariably the day comes that I have to do the thing and I'm like oh no I do not want to follow through (laughs) to this commitment that I've made yeah I start out really strong. Like, I'm always really into things. Like, when I've signed up for boxing classes or any sort of dance classes or anything, I always go the first couple of weeks really easy for me to go. Like, I get into the routine of it really quickly, the rhythm of it really quickly. And then I get about halfway through and I'm a bit like, am I enjoying this? I kind of resent having to go. I resent that this is in my diary, that this is something that I have to continue to do. And then by the end, I'm completely disengaged and I no longer want to go. And it is the resentment of the commitment. I don't like the restriction on my freedom. Mm. I want to be able to decide every day what my day looks like. I don't want to have that prescriptive control over my life. This is why I struggle at work as well. I struggle with hierarchy because I don't like being told what to do. I don't like being confined to a particular set of behaviours or expectations. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the biggest hurdles I had to get over when it came to buying a house with my friend because I had suddenly had this thing where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm committing to being in the city. Like, yes, I love being here and I I never really considered moving. But when you sign a mortgage, that is a big commitment that you're making to stay. And it was a really big deal. And for the longest time, I didn't have a phone bill. Like I had a prepay. I would prepay Mm -hmm. my phone because I didn't want to have that commitment of knowing that I was tied somewhere. So it's this really interesting thing where I'm both like, really committed to the causes that I believe in. Like, I will go out and, you know, fight for the things that I believe in. I'm committed to social justice. I'm committed to animal welfare, all these things that I really believe in. I'm committed to my friends. Like, I will always do something for them. And, like, if they ask me to do something on their behalf, I'm 100% there. I I will put myself out to help them. Yeah. 
But I also am really, really chafe against the idea of being committed to anything. So I'm just like, hmm, what a time to be alive. <laughs> and I hadn't really thought about it until I looked at it at, for this lens. So, yeah, it's just interesting to know that about myself. Yeah, you don't like having a lot of strings tying you to, to things. You don't like being, um, you don't like too many kite strings. You like to be able to fly away if you need to. I understand yeah. that. It's a nice impulse. I always give myself um, a free wag. So this is something I built into my kids' routines is that you get one wag a term, just no questions asked if you want to wag one. But that's, mm. that's just a skip day, right? So it's if you don't want to go to gymnastics or if you're not feeling like going to speech or you just don't want to go to school, you get one wag per term because sometimes you just need to take a break. And like having that option for myself is much easier than like, forcing myself to do the thing every time yeah I wonder if I burnt myself out at a young age with this and that's why because I used to be incredibly good at this I used to be very I could set a routine and just sit like keep to it I was Mm. very dedicated in my studying never missed a day of school like was one of those people who was just got the little certificate to say that you know you had perfect attendance but then when I got to like be 16 it's like my brain just went, we're not doing this anymore. We're done with this. I'm done. I'm tired. Because I had been doing it for eight years. And I yeah. think I was just like over it. Fair enough. And I've not been able to replicate what I that kind of commitment and dedication that I had in my youth. Maybe because I know there's no consequences if I don't do it. You know? Nothing yeah. happens. That's true. I mean, maybe the anxiety isn't there. The anxiety of like, oh gosh, what if I don't do perfectly? You sort of know that you have something else you have yourself to fall back on like you can just figure out another way and that's good but um Mm. yeah I think I love the short-term commitment of like doing one class and then being like okay I've done that it's finished now (laughs) yeah it's the best like I don't have to keep going I don't I don't have to continue I find it so interesting because when you do classes people always like oh it's the hardest to get going like it's hardest to start and I'm like no for me it's the hardest to do those last couple of classes Mm. like I can get eight out of ten classes through like a crossfit class like a session or any sort of fitness class. And then the last two, I'm like, nah, I've had enough. <laughs> I don't want to do yeah. this anymore. And it's not because it's harder. I'm just over it. Yeah. I don't know. I was reading something really interesting. This reminds me of something I read recently, which is like, is it actually that you don't want to go? Or is it that you don't want to get started to go? Um, because sometimes mm. like the process of getting started is much harder. And that, I found that yesterday. I just got up and I was like, I'm not going to think about it, but if I just put my running clothes on, I'll go for a stupid run. And I went for a stupid run and it was fine. Um, but I hadn't <laughs> been in a while. So I was like out of the habit of doing it. Um, but just because I had the clothes on when I came back from school drop off, it was like, well, I'm already in my running clothes. So I mm. might as well, like I, the impetus was removed or the, the obstacle felt removed. And so a lot of the time for me, it's just pushing through that, like, I don't want to. But then once I'm in it, it's fine. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Lots of ways. And commitment is such a varied and deep thing. Like, you can be committed to a favorite type of hair product and then change your mind. And it's like, you were no less committed, but now you're not. Like, it's not just an ongoing Mm -hmm. thing. It's also, like, a momentary thing. It doesn't have to be forever. Yeah. Yeah. Shall I read our chapter summaries? Please do. All right. So in this section, we are introduced to the Lamonnier triplets, one of whom happens to be Piper Greenmantle's father. Mm. Mm. She gets in touch with them via demon phone to tell them to set up a big sale. 
The gang Z take Orphan Girl to Caveswater to live with Aurora for lack of any better options. Orphan Girl is scared and doesn't want to be separated from Ronan. While in Caveswater, Aurora shows them a diseased, decaying tree. Adam's nightmare of three red-handed women, who look like blue but aren't blue, comes true, and it takes an act of Gansey to disperse them. Blue faces the reality of a grim future without Gansey and without the ability to travel the world like she wants to. The women of 300 Foxway can't offer her anything but their blessings and love. Gansey has a panic attack at Raven Day. Henry Chang shows up to save him. Adam's hands and eyes, in service to Caveswater, no longer seem to be completely under his control. Something sinister is happening to their beloved wood. Dot, dot, dot. Mm, sad. So we're in the body horror part of the book. The worst bit, yep. The worst <laughs> bit, which I can like perfectly visualize because it's so incredibly well written. Um... And this is also where we actually see Gansey having a panic attack, which actually is a really hard chapter for me to read because I have been in that, like, I've never had the panic attacks where I feel like I'm dying, but I have anxiety attacks, which is like a different type of spiral, which is mm. not worse, just different. But um, it's very recognizable. So as I was reading that, I was like, it's okay. It's okay. It's just a book. It's just a book. Mm. It was a bit of a bit of a struggle for me. Um, but yeah, so much happening. And then we get the Lemonier triplets who all go by Lemonier, which makes me so happy. They're so ridiculous. And I love that Piper calls them via demon phone. Like, what is up with that? She's so extra, like, honestly. <laughs> but, you know, if this is her father, really, the apple yeah. does not fall far from the tree. <laughs> Absolutely. It, I love that we get this connection to, like, she's actually been in this world for longer than Colin and she grew up in it. So, of course, she's not, like, scared or weirded out she's just like yeah demon let's sell it let's get piles of money let's go 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 yeah and I also kind of love that they're sort of resentful of Colin because it's like he's the new money guy coming in who doesn't mm -hmm. respect how things are you know are done or the now they all have to have henchmen because he's brought in this kind of like mafia element to it yeah you know. they watch too many mob movies meanwhile they're hanging out on a, an old ferry in the middle of the harbor smoking <laughs> and like plotting <laughs> that's completely normal people just do that that that's fine i love that our theme was commitment because i think it works so well with our overall theme of connection because i feel like yeah. you can't be committed to something if you don't have a connection to it yeah absolutely for sure it was mo i felt like it was mostly adam section there was a lot of adam in yeah. here and his commitment to caves water really came through really strongly um mm. i mean he's made this bargain right he has its hands he has its eyes and, like, you see how terrifying it is for him that these are the first things that are compromised. Like, literally, his hand, like, skitters across the steering wheel on page 92. And he's like, I mm -hmm. didn't tell my hand to do that. Maybe it was a vision. Maybe it didn't do that. And then his eye, he gets this this eye that's sort of moving of its own accord. And then when it sees him, it sends, like, black shadows after him. That happens on page 108. And so, like, he's actually got his hands and his eyes are compromised. And he mm. doesn't know what to do. But his commitment requires him to be, like present and fixing Capeswater, but he's he isn't aware that something's attacking Capeswater, both of them, until that moment, until then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you definitely get his sense of connection as well, like how he relies yeah. on it, how he's you know, he's gone from sort of being scared and a little bit like resentful 
to be it being something that he acknowledges that he craves right mm. like he, he has this love for it and he he didn't think that he had it in him to love yeah. it all which is also so interesting when contrasted with blue when she says you know um lo- love feels like a dangerous thing that's a real interesting mirror between the two of them yeah there's a lot of adam untangling love is privilege in here because there's this great line that need is his baseline and now he is privileged because he has caves water to love and he does love caves water but i think he loves it in the same way well in a similar way to gansey right it's this wild other thing that's part of his friend that he loves i think he actually is learning how to love his friends and himself better by being caves water's eyes and ears like he's when he refuses to play along, Capeswater like sends him these beautiful images that other people have curated of him, like him smiling, him yeah. reaching his hands out to the sun, like it's saying, Hey, you have to be happy too. Like you're here and you have to be happy. See how these people love you. So mm. he's learning that it's not just about him and how he feels, it's like also everyone else loves him. But he just doesn't know it yet. But he loves them. He does. It's not a cost either, right? Like, it doesn't cost yeah. him anything. These people love him. They don't want anything from him. These me- these observations, these memories, they can't come at a cost. So, yeah. Yeah. I do love that. You love it, too. I think that his love is what helps seal those commitments, those connections that he has. They actually seal them down, right? Like, so there's a moment where he makes a base drop basically in the, in the woods when everyone else is making music and he yeah. turns it into forest electronica and this is for ronan right and and mm. he sees ronan give him that kind of like goofy smile which is not a, a phrase you would see associated with ronan and he thinks these forces these weren't forces to play with yeah yeah and he says on page 63 making ronan lynch smile felt as charged as making a bargain with capes water water he also recognizes in ronan like that he talks about Ronan's dreams and he talks about Orphan Girl being like the the most Ronan of all his dreams, mm. but he talks about them being whimsical and terrifying and delightful. Like he sees all these ele- these facets and these elements in Ronan. And this is when we really see him opening up, like opening himself up to that kind of commitment to Ronan. Yeah. He's kind of deciding whether or not to move forward with it. Like what's that line? He's skating an edge here. He's skated an edge there. Like, he's right on the precipice of, like, deciding how far he takes this maybe little flirtation. Um, and he sort of is assessing it later, like, was it was it just a flirt? Do I have to be careful? And then it was adrenaline, like, still whispering in his heart, which is such a mm. great such a great image of like he he does want this and he doesn't want to continue this. And he doesn't he doesn't want to do it if it's a facetious nothing, but he wants it to mean something. I know we've spoken about it before, but I love how good Adam is at drawing connections. Like, he pieces things together so quickly. Other people mm-hmm. are miles behind him. And I love that he's already figured out that Blue and Gansey are a thing. And Gansey's like, I can't tell Adam. I'm, I'm too much of a coward. And Adam's like, whatever. I already know. <laughs> and they just don't know. Yeah, he's, he, he knows. And because he's so observant, right? But he isn't letting himself be hurt by it yet because he wants to know why. Which is the next section, so I won't say anything about it. I've, I have not read ahead. I've been very good. But, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of discussion about the hunger. And he's like, what? Because he has a conversation with Blue where they're, they're agreeing, they're committing to talk about something later. Gansey or Gansey, I guess. Um, 
and he's he's like I she's being so obvious I wonder if she even knows how obvious she mm. is and did she ever look at me with that kind of hunger mm-hmm. and he just he sees it he sees it yeah I kind of want to talk about the commitment of having a child, which is kind of what Ronan did. <laughs> like, I love when Blue's like, oh, he dreamt his inner child or something. <laughs> she's just like, oh, what now? <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong, but like, um, it's not exactly the same. I do think it's interesting that they were like, we've got to find the best parent for this random magical creature. Uh, uh, Ronan's mom. Like, fair <laughs> enough. She is the loveliest. Like, I mean, I really love all of the parents, but Aurora is the loveliest i love Um, that ronan dreamt well not ronan but but i love that niall dreamt aurora with the ability to love people in the way they need to be loved like she has this innate sense like that is incredible where do i find that i would love to have that skill i i yes that's an incredible gift hmm I want it. I want to be as good at loving as Aurora, but I also like being awake and in my own life, and that is not something she can be, which is very no. sad. Um, I do like that they all are sort of feeling very guilty about the fact that they're basically dumping their uh, illegitimate child <laughs> on, on someone's mom in a dream forest. <laughs> like they're, they're like, we don't know what else to do, but we should take her here, I guess. <laughs> That's okay, Grandma love, will babysit. Yeah, I love that Ronan is committed to his dream creatures, I guess. Like, he does yeah. feel a real sense of care for them. He feels like he has to look after them. He feels a real sense of care. What is the word I'm looking for? Guardianship? I don't know. Like, responsibility, yeah, for mm-hmm. them, you know? Even though he's so resentful about it, he's still like, ugh. <laughs> Yeah, they're not a burden. They're just part of the farm work, I guess. Like, he checks in on his albino night horror. And um, he looks after all of the animals, which we saw in the last section, where he was, like, checking all of the animals Mm. over for ticks and, like, feeding them all. And it's just incredible the way that he looks after things. Because it's not tender or gentle or, like, full of love. It's, like, grumpy and irritable and full of swearing. But there's still, like, this underlying ungrudging unconditional care and love yeah it's like matter of fact it's just a thing that is unconditional as you say it's like something that's going to happen because that's what he does and i i just love that there's something so magical about that in and of itself Mm. and this connection that he has and the way when he says you know it's unmaking everything it's unraveling everything that he loves it's just so powerful this horrible dream black ooze that is corrupting their lives yeah i mean he's dreaming about it and and adam is experiencing these disconnects and then we have gansey who just feels like time is flowing away from him Mm. um but we have a great henry chang moment where he comes and saves him with a cup of water which i think is really beautiful really observant from Henry, right? Like, he's really aware of what's going on with Gansey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk about how Noah was always one of them, even before he was, because he was the one who dreamed up the idea for this Raven Day, which is like a festival with ravens on sticks, and you have this sort of, like, war, but it's not really a war. It's just, like, a big party where you fly your birds around, and and we get to hear a little bit from his sister, which I think is really lovely. 
I mean, I always misremember the section as her having stopped to talk to Gansey and Adam when really that doesn't happen. It just feels mm. like she's talk, spoken to them directly. She's actually just addressing the crowd, but she talks about how um, this was like a wild dream that her wild hyper younger brother or older brother used to have. And, and then it, they, they made it. They turned it into something. And, and now it's a tradition that will live on forever. So there's that connection always to Noah, even though he's not around anymore in like the physical sense. And there's also this connection that Noah was a raven boy even before Gansey even knew about Aglimby. Also, the way she describes the dream really puts me in mind of the last book when they had the ravens in the cave, right? Like they came flying yeah. up and surrounded them in this really hectic way, the same way that Noah described in this dream. Like, they were all around them. Mm-hmm. It's just this constant feedback loop, right? Yeah. He was always meant to be there. He was always connected. I also wanted to give a shout-out to Gansey's commitment to looking after things. Like, he, you know, when he doesn't want to drive over the raven made out of shells, and Adam says yeah. he appreciated his endless concern for the things in his care... Which really reminded me of Penny in the last book, In Any Way the Wind Blows, when she's like, I picked it up, now I have to look after it. Yep, That's a very Gansey thing. I'm responsible yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. He's very committed to being a good steward to the the world around him, which I appreciate. He, what was that line in the next, the last, was it the last book where he said, this will be the first time I've left a place worse for my Worse than there? I found it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, when they found Gwenkly, and he was very upset that it was just a mess now, that they hadn't gone in respectfully he really does care and I think that there's something about that like he has a real commitment to like stewardship because he feels a connection with the historical things that he's unearthing Mm. I also appreciate yeah I think Artemis is really committed to being in his little room closet (laughs) (laughs) pantry closet room thing if I had to go out and see someone who hated me with every fiber of her being all the time, I would live in a pantry too. I'm with him. Quickly and scary, man. Ooh. And I love that she's just waiting outside. Like she's just sitting outside on the bench, like da 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 da. I know you're in there. <laughs> she's a menace. <laughs> Jinx. Principal Childs, or whatever his name is, just standing there for ages, making small talk about absolutely nothing. I swear to God. (laughs) I felt your pain from across the Tasman. I was like, yep, yep, this is something that Jen absolutely hates. I I would be like, oh, great, we're having such a nice chat. Isn't it wonderful? Then again, I have been trapped in conversations with people where I'm like, I really have to be somewhere. And they are so nice, and I can't, like, politely exit. So... I have become the kind of horrible person who just walks away. <laughs> I've started doing it at work when people mansplain at me or when people just, when I've tried to exit a conversation, they continue talking to me. I'm like, okay. And then I just leave. I just walk off. You're so I've had enough. I can't do that. I'm too, I have to be polite and receive. It's the worst. It is the worst. It's easier when there's someone else there because you can just palm this. I'm just like, okay, this is your responsibility now. And then I oh, just yeah. leave. Yeah, yeah. If there's a third person that I'm like, I'm sorry, but you're getting thrown under the bus now. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah I'll do that. I just don't feel confident yeah. doing it for myself. That's. I just can't leave someone talking to themselves to thin air. Like, that feels so horribly mean. Because I've yeah. definitely been left talking to thin air because I'm a talker. It I would never do that to you because I like you. Well, I like you too, but 
if I talk too much, just say, I gotta go. That's fine. <laughs> I get it. Gotta go. I've, I've taught my, my son yeah. does this thing where he has like imaginary friends and he like often has conversations and it sounds like he's talking to me. So I'll respond. And he used to get really upset about it. Baby, all you have to do is ask me, please don't participate. I'm playing. And I'll, so now he <laughs> says, mom, please don't participate. Okay, I've taught him how to say the thing. Because I didn't know. I can't tell the difference between, like, self-babble and actual parent babble. Who knows? Mm, mm. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Is it an observation I need to pay attention to? I don't know. Well, that's how I think Adam feels about Cape's Water up mm. until this point, right? Because sometimes Cape's Water is just babbling away and he's like, okay. Is yeah. this something I need to act on? Or And now Cape's Water is weirdly silent right yeah he's really struggling to find that connection yeah there's that that big difference between like it saved him before he even knew he was in danger in the last book with the roof tiles and now Mm. he has to like beg and find a channel like the channel was there before but now it's been damaged in some way like he has to find water and like rinse the the demon influence or whatever away with this water like he has to get a channel to get safe through cave's water which is so scary mm. yeah um it's sort of a, a long ongoing metaphor about like growing up and leaving home right like you have more independence and less support more independence and less support more mm. independence and less support and it's like the the body horror version of what blue is like thinking about as she's being cuddled by jimmy where she's like i love this i need this cuddle but i'm real grumpy that i am so stuck in this place needing this cuddle and loving yeah. these people. Like, she's really resentful, but she doesn't want to be resentful because it is good where she is. Yeah, and how she has to, like, hold the truth in and then say it in a way to make it more palatable, to make it smaller in a way, because if she just said it, it would be too big for her to, to manage. It's interesting. Yeah, I just... I feel like having parents who understand that, like, some kids are going to stay for a while and some kids are going to go... And that Mora just knows Blue is going to go. She just sees that, that she's that kind of person. And it's not a problem. Like, she, she says, you know, she doesn't say, you're not committed. She just says, I get it. Like, it's not a forever goodbye. You do need to leave. Like, you, you have this in you that you need to go. She doesn't see it as, like, breaking a trust or breaking a commitment. But more like, we still have this connection. It will endure. But you need to do what you need to do. Like, it's... It's okay to leave, which I think is a really beautiful release. I think a lot of parents might really resent that or really struggle with that. But Mora has just become, well, she's just able to sort of get through it with Blue. I love that she also says, well, Gansey offered to help you, didn't didn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Blue is so angry about it. I'm like, just take his help. Guys, These he's people, made of money. He's got so much money. I don't understand this resi- like this resentment of his offer for help. Like, if I had a friend who was that rich, I would be like, yes, pay for this, pay for this, pay for my petrol. Yep. <laughs> Do you want to pay off my student loan for me? Like, come on. Absolutely. Help a girl out. You're not going to miss it. <laughs> he's not going to care, and he's going to make piles more in his life because he's just, that's how it works. They just accrue interest. Generational wealth. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's wild. And I love that Kala is... Kala, the same person who told her not to be snooty about being about going to community college is the same one who's like, don't be like that. 
<laughs> yeah. Don't be like that. Don't be so bitter. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a good lesson, especially from Kala. Like, Kala did work her butt off to go to uni, and she's not mad that Blue might have an easier chance. She's just like, don't be an idiot about it. Why would you be an idiot? Yeah. It's a good reminder. Like, you don't have to earn all of your help all of the time. Like, you can just have help. People can just help you. You don't have to, like, deserve it. Yeah, that whole pulling yourself up by your bootstraps thing is just the thing that the upper classes imagined to keep us all down. So, if someone offers you a free ride, take it. Yeah, look, every single person who says that they are self-made... Um, I really interrogate that because I'm like, okay, so which one of your parents funded this by mortgaging their house? <laughs> you know, like, mm. like there's, mm. that's how I started this in my garage with like $500,000 seed money from my grandpa. Oh, okay. There it is. There, like, there's always something. There's always some little, and I hate to be a cynic. I love, I would love to be an optimist. And I would love to think that people really can do this. But the truth is someone somewhere gave them a chance, gave them a leg up, gave them an opportunity. Nobody does it without support and help and community. So take the offer. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it's Gansy. It's free. He has no strings attached. He just wants to look after the things <laughs> and people that he loves. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting, the connection between Adam's fear and orphan girl's fear. Like, he sees immediately that she is petrified mm. about not being in the dream space. And, I, like, I personally think it's that she's scared of leaving Ronan like I think that she's always only known Ronan or his nightmares and so like what else would there be in the world but Ronan or his nightmares Mm. and I like that is a legitimate thing I think that she's probably just been really traumatized by all of the horrible things that she's had to save him from over the years Um, but Adam is the one to spot it and kind of is able to connect with her in a way that no one else has been able to so even Aurora couldn't get through to her in the beginning but it was Adam giving up his very precious you know manual wind up watch that that really connect like there's a connection there that I thought was really important yeah it's also part of him puzzling out what's going on right like he's connecting this fear with something bigger with the the ooze and everything the weird stuff that's happening like he's starting to make the connections yeah he's also starting to make the connection he he's skating around this edge as well when he talks about like how is it that the trees are learning english now how is it that they learned latin and like what is this that they like what is this process and he feels like he's so close to getting it but he's not quite there and i'm like you'll get it when you're ready to get it you're not ready to think about it yet but soon amazing think that was everything i had for connection and yeah commitment how about you i've got a little bit i wanted to talk a little bit about gansey's two moments of disconnection so we have the first one which is like a voluntary disconnection like he he can't sleep and he checks in on ronan and ronan is awake but or ronan is asleep so he just leaves he goes to the pool at school and Mm. he just swims and swims and swims and he talks about like losing all of the fear and all of the worry and just being like gansey in this moment and he's like he's disassociating but he's disassociating in the way that i do when i'm at the end of like a really long run and i'm like i have i am nothing but the next step it's kind of a clean way to get unhitched from my own i guess forward motion Mm. um and then the second disconnection is when he's uh, you know panicking in the middle of the raven day events and he doesn't really know who's talking or what's happening and he and he's worried that he's going to have this complete breakdown and reenact his death, which is something that 
we saw Noah doing a lot in, was it book two? Mm. Where Noah kept, like, reenacting. Reliving his death. Yeah, yeah. reliving the moment of his death. And, and Gansey is doing the same thing. Like, we ta- we heard about it, that it would happen with, um, with Mallory. But now it's, like, he's like, I'm not going to do it here. I'm not going to make it about me. And I'm like, buddy, you are having a panic attack. You can make it about you if you need to. Um, but I thought that disconnection was really interesting there because he doesn't feel like he's present in his own body in both of mm. those times. But there's definitely different flavors to it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, did you have any tangential? Uh, yeah, I want to give a shout out to Orla, who cracks me up in that scene with Blue, when she's like, mm, whatever. But my favorite bit is when she's like, I don't believe in a concept of true love. And Kala says, thanks for your contribution. Let's give Blue's prediction a call and let it know. <laughs> Page 82. So great. Love it. It is great. Orla is vastly unhelpful. I also love that they pull her up on that and they're like, and Kala says, gee, I wonder what those poor people on the other end of those phone calls feel like. <laughs> yeah, she's like, what do you say to the, your clients? <laughs> like, <laughs> she's so mean. I like the little glimpses we get of Orla and her life and her choices and how she's actually quite happy with her life and her choices. And she sees, like, she wears that really well. She's very confident with that, which I love. But um, it's not particularly helpful to the younger and a slightly wobblier blue, is it? Mm, yeah. Um, the other tangential I just wanted to give a shout out is to Adam when he says on page 59, because Adam practiced at many things. Adam was good at many things. Mm-hmm. You know, that is such a, I think, an overlooked thing, especially for me. You know, I'm one of those people, if I'm not good with something, I immediately give up because I'm like, eh. But... You know, if you want to get good at something, you have to work for it. And I think people neglect that and often say, oh, it's just talent. But you got to do the work. And Adam is really good at doing work. As he said in the previous section, that's where he goes. That's a safe place, right? Work is where he's most present. I will say he's a quick study, too, which helps. I think that being willing to do the work and also being smart enough to get things quickly is it's like the double whammy. That's like that's the ideal. If I could be smart at stuff and also capable of learning quickly that would that i've because i love being industrious so i feel if i get something quickly i'm like yes i've got it that would be great i do love that he is able to do that that's like wish that that's wishful thinking for me i need lots of things explained a lot because i i approach everything sideways for some reason so i love that adam is just so observant and so quick did you have any attention at all yeah yeah i only have two i wanted to talk about um on page 101 there was a dutiful double clap that agland b students were asked to perform (laughs) instead of unruly applause what kind of boarding school bs is this oh again (laughs) like i can just imagine it it's so oh um and then on page 82, one of my favorite lines from this book, Blue just wanted to keep being best friends with Gansey forever and maybe one day also have carnal knowledge of him. <laughs> and I love how salty she is about that as well. She's like, I'm so sensible. Is this really so much to ask? Like, yeah. why is the universe doing this to me? Yeah, she's really put out that she doesn't get to have what she wants. She's just like very responsible young lady. And she's like, I just want this one thing, okay? Um, oh, and one last thing that I was thinking about, but I didn't get a chance to put my notes, is I, we know that everyone calls Gansey, that, you know, that's not in the gang scene. They say Gansey boy, but um, mm. Henry Chang says Gansey man a lot. 
Yeah. Which is kind of nice. It's like, oh, you are not actually a boy. I think it's kind of nice that he's able to recognize it. Like, you're an old dude. You're just dressing like You're a grown-up. Yeah. Yeah. You're just 17-shaped. Oh, how long yeah. have you been 17, Gansey? A while. A while. <laughs> All right, Edward. This is the Hello. skin of a, I don't know, Yacht Rock kid. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Meat suit. Um, do you have an in-depth? I do. So my in-depth is actually a section you've already talked about, which is when mm. Blue is talking to the various women, including her mum, and talking, and they're saying to her that leaving is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Um, so particularly on page 79, mm. it says, It's not always running away, Jimmy, sa- Jimmy said, her voice deep and rumbling through the chest, uh, chest to Blue's ear to leave. Keller added, we're not going to think you hate Foxway. I don't hate Foxway at all. Maura swatted Orla's hand away. Orla was trying to braid Maura's damp hair. I know, because we're great, but the difference between a nice house and a nice prison is really small. We chose Foxway. We made it, Keller, Persephone, and I. But it's only your origin story and not your final destination. So I think it relates to the theme of connection because it's the way that the family unit works, right? Blue is so connected to these women. Yeah. She has a really great, deep, personal bond with all of them, and including, of course, her mum, but mm. all of them in different ways. And there's a commitment there that comes from being family and that how you're going to live your lives, how you're going to look after each other, especially in this kind of communal way that she's been raised with all these women yeah. in community, sort of like a little coven, all looking after each other, right? Yeah. So the thought of leaving does feel a bit like betrayal. Mm. And it reminds me of conversation that I had with my own dad because of course my parents sacrificed an incredible amount for me they left South Africa when I was 13 and essentially did that so that I could have more opportunities as I grew up so uprooted their entire lives where they had a very comfortable middle class life to move to Australia where you know fine still middle class life mum's an accountant dad's an aircraft engineer but you know they didn't have a house anymore we had to rent they couldn't afford to buy a house didn't have investments anymore, didn't have a superannuation anymore, had to leave all of that stuff behind in South Africa. Essentially start again. My dad at the time used to say it's like being bankrupt. You just have to start from scratch. Yeah. And that is a sacrifice that they made for me. And I obviously struggled incredibly when I first got there just due to the time of my life, emotional cost of what it cost me to cost all of us to leave. And then you know, I went to university, I had an incredible time, eventually made great friends, all these things. And then when the first opportunity presented itself, I moved to the other side of the world. I moved to London <laughs> for two years. And I remember coming home and just being like, I feel so bad that I've done this, like that I've gone so far away when you gave up so much for me. And then on the first opportunity I had, I left. And my dad was like, that's why we did it. We mm. wanted you to have the options. He's like, we never had that option. When I was 24, that wasn't a choice that I could make. Yeah. And the reason we did this is that so you could have this life where you could do the things that you wanted to do and you can go and have adventures that we could never have. And that's just the measure of success that we could do this for you. Yeah. And now I live in a different country to them, but it means a lot to me that they never made me feel guilty about that. They never asked me, like my mum's parents asked her for years and years after we moved, when she's coming home, you know, when are you moving back to South Africa? Why have you run away? Why do you hate us? All these things. Like my parents never put me in that position because to them, the fact that I'm thriving is the measure of success. And I love this quote from Maura where she's like, 
it's only your origin story and not your final destination, I think it's really important. Because it's not always permanent either. You can always go back. And I think about that as well because I'm going back to South Africa in a couple of weeks for the first time in 12 years. and So long. I have a very interesting... I feel very... (laughs) It's an interesting feeling thinking about it because I used to really resent going back. But there's something about returning now that feels like a moment of peace in a way. Like going to see my family, returning to my ancestral homeland, if you will in a way that I wasn't open to experiencing previously. And I think it's just because of where I am in my life and how comfortable mm-hmm. I am with who I am and where I live and my own journey through all this. Yeah. But yeah, I just think it's it's important to remember that it's not it's not a judgment. Leaving it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. It can be a good thing as well. And you can always, always go back. It's not going to be the same. But if you're open and willing, those people will still be there for you. Absolutely. I love that. And look, I completely get like the the parent side of that of like just wanting your kids to have more opportunities and this was something that both my my husband and I we walked out of the sort of parent orientation at my daughter's high school and we were both looking at each other like tearfully like where was this when we were in school? And he went to a very nice private school and I went to a very not nice public school in a very <laughs> underfunded area of Southern Oregon and and so, like, the fact that we were both, like, so excited, like, we weren't resentful. We were just like, this will be incredible for our kid. Like, we could grieve that we didn't have it, but, like, we're so excited we get to offer it to her, right? Hmm. That's really what it is all about. And, like, your parents get yet another Art Avery Award for Awesome Parenting. <laughs> yeah. Just because they were able to, like, disconnect, like, what they want for themselves for what they want for you, which is a very different thing. Yeah, I think so. You know. We continue to learn and grow. And also there comes a time when you have kids and you're like, I can't treat you like I treated you before. Like if I treated my 10 year old like a five year old, it would not be the same and it would not be good. Like you you just can't like you have phases. You have to change how you interact as you grow. That's just life. Mm, I think they would obviously love me to live closer to them, but I also think it's better for our relationship that we do not. But never mind. That's another conversation. (laughs) What was your in-depth? Um, mine is on page 54, and it is sort of the beginning of the section. I think it's actually right at the beginning. And it's um, where Adam is sort of berating himself for his first mm. less than savory reaction to have them having to sort out the problem of Ronan bringing a sentient dream thing into the world that needed caring for. It's a long one, so strap in. Uh, Adam wasn't sure yet what they would do there. It was just the first thing he'd thought of. Actually, it was the second, but his first thought was so shameful that he'd immediately regretted it. He'd taken one look at her and thought, if she'd been another night whore, they could have just killed it or left it somewhere. A second later, no, no, less than a second, half a second, simultaneously, he hated himself for thinking it. It was exactly the sort of thought he'd expect from his father's son. He hated himself, and then he hated his father, and then he gave the emotion to Caveswater in his head, and Caveswater rolled it away. And now they were at Caveswater itself, Caveswater in the flesh, here at Adam's second thought that he wished had been his first, taking the orphan girl to Ronan's mother, Aurora. So I just want to point out right now that Adam's commitment to being a better person is almost always hamstrung by his <laughs> self-loathing, his first instinctual thoughts. Um, right after we see... I mean, this this happens, and then right after this, we see him, like, commending Gansey for being, as we talked about, endlessly concerned for things in his care. Like, he's appreciating Gansey for being good at taking care of things. Um, but then, you know, he he's castigating himself for being his father's son. 
But what he actually is, is the product of his upbringing. And he's committing to change that. Like his connection to his Mm. past will always be part of him, but it doesn't have to be all of him and it doesn't have to define him. So I remember reading somewhere that our first thought is the, or like our first thought and reaction is the way we were raised. And our second thought, like the one that we correct it to is the person that we're trying to be. And I really love this. This was like a lifeline to me when I read it because I felt like a terrible human being every time I judged someone based on something Mm. superficial and that horrible first second. Right. And then like having to remind myself, read things more generously, act with compassion. Remember, everybody has a story. I mean, sometimes I just want to be grumpy, Mm. but I hate being mean. Um, and I really hate mm. being mean in the way that would hurt me if someone were mean to me. So like having those thoughts, those like mean first thoughts, and they've always bothered me. Um, so I too have been Adam in that moment, hating the mm. way I was raised because in the house that I was raised in sarcasm and put downs were like the biggest form of, of family humor. That was like, if you could get a zinger in, you were winning. Um, <laughs> but I really want to be more kind and generous and look for the good in people. Like I really do believe in my soul that humor, you can't be the butt of a joke. Like, making someone the butt of a joke isn't funny. So, yeah, I, I just, I guess, going forward, I just want to say, like, it's not easy. And I wish we all had a magical forest that we could roll away all of our self-doubt and misgivings and missteps into. Um, and I wish Adam would be easier on himself, but he's already doing so much better. Um, so I think we should all keep working toward being the second thought type of person. Like, forgive yourself if you have those negative thoughts or impulses first thing mm. and just let yourself be okay with it just say that's who I was but it's not who I am and also like touch grass seriously go out and touch grass <laughs> it will help go to touch nature grass. <laughs> amazing okay give me one second because I hear a kid okay where were we characters uh, which character yeah which character would you like to spotlight this week I'm in a spotlight orphan girl. She's had a really terrifying mm-hmm. day. She's been pulled out of a dream. She's had to like contend with a raven being very roughly feathered at her. Um, she's had to deal with Ronan and all of his friends who are very weird. I would be freaking out too. I would not be coping. So yeah, just a little hug for that <laughs> little fawn. No. How about you? Who would you like to spotlight this week? I'm spotlighting Adam because the idea of not being in control of my own body is like one of my ultimate horrors. Like the body horror element really, really gets to me. Like that his hands moving on its own accord, that his eye is moving of its own accord is just horrific. Like, no, absolutely no. I cannot even imagine. I would feel so sick and so horrified. And I just want to spotlight him for that because it's going to get worse, my guy. It's going to get worse. (laughs) It gets so much worse. Ah, Yuck. I know, it's not great. It's not a great time. Um, Do you have any homework for our readers for this week? Yeah, so I am currently reading a book that is called Gwen and Art Are Not In Love by Lex Croucher, I think it is. I love that book. It's so fun. I literally was reading it at the train station this morning and did a proper giggle at one of the sections because it's so witty and it's so quick. But like, I think it bothered me at the start because it's set in the ethere- like Middle England, I guess. Yeah. Hundred years after King Arthur died, and you would expect it to be like period language and like be more periody, I guess. And it's <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah. It's just like quite modern language, modern slang, and things and. They say things and I have that moment where it's like, how would an orc know what a menu is? And I'm like, Jen, just go with it. But I'm far enough in the book now that it doesn't bother me anymore. And it's actually just really cute. And I'm really enjoying it. There's a Riverdale reference in that book. 
<laughs> There's also like an, a Mary Oliver quote that's been mis- yeah. What like, are you mis- gonna do with your one wild and precious yeah hangover or something? Yeah, it's really yeah. Funny. It's like what are you gonna do with your mediocre life, your one wild and mediocre <laughs> life or something? And I was like, what is happening? It was written during the it's pandemic, great. during lockdown. So you know you can see that it's a bit of a fever dream, but it was really fun. So yeah, it is fun. It's very readable. Um, it was one of my gay book club picks. That was. It was a delight to uh, yeah. We'd read some heavy things and we were like, we need a break. <laughs> Thankfully, Molly sorted us out. But yeah, that's a great one. What was your homework? Uh, I have been listening to a lot of podcasts because I'm doing teacher quilts and that's always like a very time intensive. Mm-hmm. And like if I if my kids are home, I can't watch any of my inappropriate for kids TV. So I have to listen to things. So I've been listening to Articles of Interest <laughs> by Avery Truffleman. Which started out as like a podcast, like a little side shoot of 99% Invisible, but on its own. It's just, it's a podcast about clothes. And there was a really Mm. interesting one about corduroy that I really loved. And there was like a secret (laughs) corduroy appreciation society for like several years in New York City. Because like, why not? Just really cute and really lovely. And I don't know, I think it's great. So if you like clothes, if you wear clothes, could be good. (laughs) Could be a good listen. Cute. Yeah, it was good. Awesome. Okay, well, next week we'll be reading chapters 14 to through twenty. Through the theme of friendship. Yay! Brilliant! I cannot wait. So many friends. Alright. Well, lovely to see you, as always. Have a beautiful week, and I will see you soon. See you next week. Bye. Bye! Thank you for joining us today. Marginalia Pod is written, edited, and produced by us, Gen D and Gen V. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to hello at marginaliapod.com, check out our Instagram, or maybe dash off a quick review. You can also subscribe so you never miss an episode. Our music is by Scott Buckley, and the logo artwork is by Laura Cato. You can find detailed show notes for each episode and much more at our website www.marginaliapod.com. Special thanks to all the people in our various communities whose love and care sustains us. Without your support, we would be very sad little critters. We appreciate you. And to you, our wonderful listeners, thanks again for being here. We love spending this time with you. 